0: Today on The Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML.
1: The other side of the coin, uh, Ryan McGreal, editor of Raise the Hammer, who joins us here on The Bill Kelly Show to uh, talk about where we are and where we might be going on this. Good morning, Ryan. How are you doing today?
0: I'm I'm good, Bill. Thank you, and and uh, an excellent choice on the intro music, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, that's uh, that's my producer, Yevko. Always thinking I'm one step ahead of us here. Let's uh, let's talk about where we are. You wrote a, an interesting piece in Raise the Hammer the other day about uh, some of the uh, the the rhetoric that's going back and forth right now. Let me ask you if I can just move up a little bit and look at this from fifty thousand feet. Are we moving the art sticks at all? I mean, you're going to be there today. C.H. Uh, CHML's Ken Mann is going to be there today. Ken's used to marathons. That's why we sent him down there today. But <laughs> it's, uh, the, are, are we going to hear anything that we haven't heard before? Are, is anybody going to change their minds on this issue?
0: Uh, do you mean around the council table? Yeah. Uh, I hope a few councillors will make up their minds, um, you know, because uh, there's, I mean, this is a, a project that has had uh, unanimous or near-unanimous support consistently over and over again since 2007, 2008, suddenly when success is actually in our grasp, we're getting a lot of the kinds of um, misgivings and second thoughts and cold feet and anxieties that any big important decision is going to generate. And this is no different. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not bizarre that people are suddenly scared and nervous about making a big decision. The important thing for counsel is to take a deep breath remember why they've been voting for it all along, remember the arguments in, for, in favor of it haven't changed. And the arguments against it, no new arguments or new evidence has come up to undermine or undercut any of the reasons they've been supporting it all along. You know, there are a few questions that still need to be answered, but the way you answer those questions is by going through the process that council is being asked to go through. It's, it's absurd to say, well, we can't vote to move this forward because we don't know the answer to the next step when you can't get that answer until you get to the next step
1: well And let's talk about the logistics of that for just a second, because one of the consistent things, and and Sarah, who was on just before you uh, on the program this morning, uh, reiterated this about, and we just got a a tweet from Manny about this too, saying, well, what about operating costs? Uh, My understanding, and I'm I'm not in the construction business, but I spent a little bit of time in politics, nine years on city council, is you can't estimate uh, what the operating costs are going to be until you put this out to tender, and you can't put it out to tender until you get the environmental assessment done.
0: You're absolutely right, Bill. And so we can't get an exact number for what the operating costs are going to be. But we can get a pretty good idea for the the range of costs that we're going to be dealing with. You know, and one of the ways we can do that is we can look at similar LRT systems that have recently been signed that have a similar kind of of, uh, operating cost uh, structure that Hamilton's going to have. The most obvious example, of course, literally half an hour up the road is Waterloo. They've got a 19-kilometer LRT line. Their operating and maintenance costs are going to be 8.5 million dollars a year so if we scale from that to our 11 kilometer lrt line you're looking at around somewhere in the the area of around five million dollars a year to operate that now we're right now paying five and a half million dollars a year to operate the b line express bus which the lrt is going to replace so on a base level We're looking at an operating cost for LRT that's going to be basically the same, possibly cheaper than what we're paying right now for the main bus line that it's going to replace. Now, uh, Paul Johnson, the LRT director, has said there will be some other operating costs involved, again, some special maintenance costs along the corridor that will change a little bit because of the LRT. But that's the kind of the order of magnitude we're looking at. We're looking at something that's going to be roughly in the ballpark of what we're already paying. And it's going to be a system that's going to generate a lot more riders and a lot more revenue.
1: I had uh, on the program yesterday uh, the regional chair, of course, from Waterloo, Ken Sealing, was here, and along with Tom Galloway, one of the counselors who has been uh, riding herd on the uh, the LRT file up in, in Waterloo region. And they, they basically said what you've just said, and they, they gave us a hard and fast number about what their operating costs were. But we have to, again, remind our listeners that they're already near the end of their process, but they didn't know that. Uh, until they went out to tender. And, of course, then they could sit down and crunch some numbers. Why aren't those numbers resonating? Why do people still say, well, that's not good enough for me?
0: That's a really good question. I I wish I had a better answer for you. I think part of it is that you have people who are opposed to this project who are basically latching on to every single uncertainty and kind of squeezing it for all of its worth. It's it's fear-mongering, right? So they're, they're trying to make people scared about that unknown. And so you kind of maximize the, the fear factor. Another part of it is that there's a, there's a kind of a mentality in Hamilton excuse me, that I've noticed over the years where we seem to feel like the, the rules that apply in other cities for how cities operate somehow wouldn't work here. You know, you heard about it with the Canon Cycle Track. Well, people won't actually use it. Well, in fact, they are using it. A staff report just came out finding that ridership has increased dramatically, and it came in, you know, $300,000 under budget. Well, if we build a bike share, nobody will use it. Well, our bike share ridership is through the roof. We've got 12,000, 13,000 members. Again and again, we think that things that work in other places aren't going to work here. And then when they do work here, you know, we're we're confused and surprised by it. This is the exact same kind of situation. This is how these things work in a variety of urban contexts, including cities that are a lot like Hamilton. There's no reason to think it won't work the same way here.
1: You have to, and again, look at what's gone on with the history of of rapid transit or or light rail transit, any one of these things. And I I happen to be in Calgary, Ryan, back in the early 1980s, because a lot of people point to that city and say, well, look at their system. Why can't we do something like that? Uh, When I was there, and I think it was 1981, uh, it the 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 right. First of all, it was elevated, but secondly, it only ran through the downtown core. I mean, it was very short. You can't build uh, a you know a twenty-five or thirty-kilometer trail like this in 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 a matter of a couple of years. It takes time. There are add-ons to it, as they do with subway systems in other cities and everything else. It just seems that for many people that are expressing opposition here, it's all or nothing at all.
0: Well, and and that of course is is a, an easy way to ensure that a project never goes forward. Is no matter what you get, insist that it's not enough. Uh, you know, I, for example, you know we're we're getting um, LRT on, in the first phase from McMaster to Queenston Traffic Circle, and some people are saying, you know what, this should go all the way to Eastgate Square. I agree hundred percent. I, I agree enthusiastically with that. But the province is not going to agree to fund an extension to Eastgate if we can't even get you know our heads out of our butts in order to complete this first phase that's going to Queenston. That's just, it's not realistic. It's not how politics works. They're waiting to see if we can take, you know, have enough leadership to accept full capital funding. If we can't even do that, we're never going to get that extension to Eastgate.
1: Well, and there's always this propensity on some people's part anyway, Ryan, uh, no matter what the project, to look at something shiny and and brand new someplace else and say, why can't we do this? And you heard this, uh, I certainly did, through the stadium debate some years ago. Why can't we build a stadium like the, the one they have in Winnipeg? And the short answer is it costs twice as much money. Do you want to pay that? You're willing to point? No, no. But, well, you get what you pay for. You know, for the money we had, that's the stadium we built. And I'm quite happy with the one we've got here. By the way, is oh, yeah. a, a quick postscript to that, uh, the Winnipeg Stadium, which was uh, so grand, they're just spending $21 million on repairs to that one, too. So we're not alone. Which, which tells sure. us that, you know, to your point, we got to get out of this idea that this is a Hamilton-centric problem. Transportation is, is a in this case, a provincial problem. I I, I would like to expand the decision and, and actually the debate to make this a national problem, too, because every city is going through this right now.
0: Oh, sure. But on, on that note, do you think the federal government is going to be willing to partner with us on an investment in a significant improvement to our transportation system if we can't actually say yes to a billion dollars in full capital funding from the province? I mean, they'd be crazy to do that.
1: Well, they're simply not going to do it. I mean, you know, they, we get bypassed, then. Like, you can't play ball with these guys.
0: Exactly, yeah. So we need to, you know, council needs to, you know, one of the other, one of the important differences between Hamilton and uh, and Waterloo, and this is something that we really should focus on, Waterloo is paying 30% of the capital cost for their LRT system through their own local tax levy. That's $253 million dollars of local money that they're putting towards this thing. And because they're going to own it, they have to pay the debt financing, the uh, life cycle, and the insurance costs. We're not going to have to pay those things because MetroLink is going to own our LRT line. So uh, Waterloo is actually in for an awful lot more money than we're going to be in for. And they still went ahead and decided to do it because they realized that the alternative of not building it, not intensifying that corridor, is going to cost them a lot more money in building new roads and new sprawl, which they can't afford to keep growing out like that.
1: One of the other arguments that I know is going to come up once again today is, well, we should be spending that money on something else. Can we clarify for the umpteenth time here? that this is not money for roads and infrastructure, that if we say no to this $1 billion, that that $1 billion is going someplace else?
0: Gone, immediately. That money is gone. Now, in fairness to the people who have been saying, well, we could submit a different plan, we could. We absolutely could. It's going to take probably five or six years of starting from scratch to develop a new plan. You'll then have to submit that plan to a new provincial government whose priorities we have no idea what they're going to be. There is absolutely no guarantee that it would ever get funding. Even if it did, it would probably be several more years of shaking out the details and getting contracts signed. It's taken us a decade to get to this point. If we start over, it's at least a decade to get to this point again. And there's nothing to stop the obstructionists and the opponents from playing all the same games and killing it all over again
1: the reality here is i i I could make a pretty safe bet and i think you could too. uh, where the money is going i mean mississauga right now is in the process of going through this this lrt thing and they're looking for funding uh they're looking for the same deal that hamilton got you know and and again we always feel as if well we're getting crapped on by senior levels of government this is a sweetheart deal that the province has given us here as i know that mayor watson in ottawa uh, and, of course, uh, Mayor Crombie in, 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 in Mississauga and certainly John Tory in Toronto are saying, hey, where's the 100% funding for us? Uh, and they're not getting it. And if we say no to this, I, I don't see how any future government will ever look at this city once again and say, yeah, we'll help you fund major projects. They can't trust us as a partner.
0: Oh, exactly. We would be a radioactive partner. And not just for higher levels of government. If you're a business and you're looking to invest, are you going to invest in a city that can't get its act together? Or are you going to invest in a city that looks like it's being run by responsible adults who understand a good deal when they see it? You know, large corporations that are going to be generating jobs, you know, doing investment in building new facilities, they're going to be running away from Hamilton if they see us fumble the ball and and basically not even fumble the ball. I mean, we're already standing at the finish line. All we have to do is just set it down. If we throw the ball backwards over our shoulders, I mean, that's going to scare off uh, the private sector as well in a big way.
1: To that point. One of the other elements that you have been talking about, Keenan Loomis has been talking about, Mayor Eisenberger has been talking about, and Councillor Ferguson, uh, my Councillor up in Ancaster, who's a, an advocate for the LRT program, is the economic development aspect, and, and it is usually dismissed out of hand by the, the opponents of the project who simply say that's not going to happen. Now, I, I'm not looking at this with rose-colored glasses, Ryan. I, I don't think that there's going to be massive economic upburst all the way along the line. I just don't think that's going to happen. But I think there's significant possibilities for a lot of it in key areas, uh, yet that doesn't seem to be part of the debate. They don't seem to want to talk about that.
0: No, and again, it's that it's sort of, you know, if if we don't know what the cost is going to be, we assume it'll be as high as possible. If we don't exactly know what the benefit's going to be, we assume it'll be as low as possible. There'll be no benefit, right? I mean, developers are already saying loud and clear publicly in Hamilton, if it wasn't for the LRT, this project wasn't going to go ahead. I mean, we're hearing that right now for projects that are already on the go. You go to Waterloo, and it's well over a billion dollars of new development that's happened right along the LRT corridor. These are projects that were not going ahead. And if you look back at five years before the LRT project started, the development rate was much lower. I mean, this is, you know, no one can say there's going to be precisely this much new development, but we know it's going to be big. I mean, it's going to take time, you know, and it'll start in the downtown core, and it'll gradually move farther east and west. But we're looking at tens, hundreds of millions of dollars in new tax assessments over the next 25 years that we're going to say, we're going to walk away from, we're going to leave on the table if we turn this down.
1: Which I, th- I think underscores the point that you've been talking about and, and Keenan Loomis and others. What's the cost of not doing this? Uh, and instead of, I mean, of focusing and saying, well, we don't know every penny of, of the cost of, of maintaining this project or the upkeep on this project. Uh, what's the cost if we don't do this? What, what kind of damage does this do to our economic future that has been actually on, on pretty much of an upswing over the last eight or ten years?
0: It has been, but you know, one of the problems is that structurally, the city still doesn't have its finances in order. You know, every year we have you know close to two hundred million dollars in necessary infrastructure replacement, which we defer because we can't afford to do it. And a big part of that is the way the city has been developing for the past fifty years. It's all been very uh, low de- low density, low intensity high infrastructural intensity, right? So we're building lots of roads. We're laying miles and miles of water and sewer lines that we have to maintain. We're, you know, having to provide police and fire service and waste collection and all of these services in a very spread out geographic area. It turns out that it's it's unaffordable to keep doing that. The only way we can continue to pay for the infrastructure that we have is if we start making much more effective use of infrastructure through the downtown corridor, start increasing the density, increasing the tax assessment, and that will help to pay for the whole city.
1: Let me ask you something about about strategy here, and and I know you've written extensively about this for well, I guess really for almost ten years now. That this project has been talked about, uh, written about, uh, you know, vocalized and dragged through the mud and and elevated to the highest heights. I mean, we've gone through just about every machination you could possibly be here. But for those who support the project and continue to support the project. Have they done a good enough job of selling this to the public, or did they just naturally assume that this was such a great idea that the public would gravitate toward it?
0: It's it's a, it's a tough question. Uh, it's a fair question. I don't know if it's one that I can be entirely objective about, because as one of the people who's been trying to sell this project... Uh, I certainly wish that I could have done more along the way. I wish I could have heard more from our political leaders. Uh, I wish we could have heard more from Metrolinks. I wish our councillors who have been voting for this were willing to go beyond just voting for it and actually going out and championing it with their constituents. And I want to be fair. Some councillors have absolutely been doing that. You mentioned Councillor Ferguson earlier on, and I think he has been just a really inspiring ambassador for this project because it's not going to go into his ward. He doesn't directly personally benefit from it in any way but he sees the big picture and he recognizes the way that it's going to that's going to benefit his constituents and he's been promoting and selling it on that basis and he's not paying a political price for supporting it you know, and he's been an amazing champion, but we need more champions like that around the council table. We well, need more champions in the community as well.
1: He was one of the early people that jumped on board on this because he's one of the people that took the road trips. I've always advocated that that councilors get out of their shell every now and then and, and go and see how things are going. Don't just read about it. I mean, the Internet's a wonderful thing, but, but there are so many councilors here who just don't partake in any of those planning conferences or any of these other things that have gone on. And as a result, they're very insular when it comes to these things. So they, they look at these things in the abstract. But Councillor Ferguson and, and Councillor Powers, Russ Powers from Dundas at the time, and, and a couple of others actually made those road trips to all these other cities that we've talked about. And it wasn't just, well, won't be neat if this. They saw that in, ap- in, 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 in application. They've seen what it does. They've seen the economic development of this. Uh, and I think that changes people's opinions.
0: Absolutely, it does. Yeah. And, you know, and we have a wonderful example. We just have to drive to Waterloo and see what's happening there. You know, look at all the new developments. Look at the new, you know, the tower cranes going up. Look at the applications coming through the pipeline. Um, for that matter, right here in Hamilton, you know, uh, I mean, we're hearing from the planning department that there are applications coming through the pipeline right now that are citing LRT as one of the clinching factors. You know, the, the evidence is there if you're willing to have an open mind about it. And, uh, and we, we really need our counselors just to have a little bit of courage and, and a little bit of, of uh, a belief in the possibility of this thing in order to move it forward. We're never going to have all of the answers for a project this big until it's done. But we know we have enough information that we know that the risk of turning it down is much higher than the risk of saying yes.
1: What do you expect is going to happen today? My, my gut is that they are not even going to vote on this thing. They're probably going to kick it down the road. But time's running out. I mean, we're hearing from staff that this pretty much has to be decided. And I'm talking about the environmental assessment aspect sometime by, before the end of the month.
0: Oh, yeah, it really does because this, this does have a very tight timeline. And, you know, again, there's always this idea that, oh, these projects always go over time and over budget. Well, this project is on time and on budget. You know, and if if that comes into jeopardy, it's gonna be because of political interference, not because of bureaucratic ineptitude. And so this is council is this is their moment. This is their moment to define their legacy for their entire political careers. Did they have the courage to do the right thing and move this project forward? Or did they panic and cower and back away and allow this opportunity to fall apart? I, I don't know how it's gonna go. I'm I'm as excited to find out as you are.